Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. What up, guys? Can you believe that uh, it is June 21st, but it is the first day of summer, officially? Uh, I am your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. If you haven't listened before, welcome in. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I haven't said that to you guys in a while. How y'all doing? You doing good? You guys been following social media, been posting some fun stuff on TikTok, on Instagram. What... uh, what are you guys playing? What are you guys watching? You see The Flash? You see Transformers? You're going to see Asteroid City or Indiana Jones? That's all happening right now. It's it's a wild, wild time, right? 2023 is a wild time for movies. How about that? But, uh, yeah, you guys, you guys having fun? The sun's finally come out for a consistent few days here in San Diego. Um, June gloom. Seems to have dissipated, uh, knock on wood for the time being. But uh, no, I'm having I'm having fun. I hope you guys are having fun. But uh, yeah, you know, before we get too deep into it, I, I do want to talk about top three stories. So N- Nintendo had a direct today, a lot like a 45 minute direct. I'm gonna talk about all the stuff they announced today, or well, most of the stuff they announced today. Uh, Netflix had their annual to dumb to doom event, like that sound that Netflix makes when it like boots up or whenever you watch a Netflix show. What I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to make the sound perfectly. You know, it's it, it, that sound, right? You you get what I'm saying. And of course, I did see the Flash. So if you want my spoiler-filled review of the Flash. Make sure you stick around. That is always at the end of the episode. Uh, Before that, though, as always, make sure to check out our website, nicksnerdnews.com, where you guys can, uh, you know, see, uh, listen to the show right in your browser. Or, if you prefer, you can listen to us on the go. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. Guess what? We're on Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on all the big stuff. You guys, there's no way to not listen. Let me put it that way. It's pretty easy. But uh, also, while you're there, check out our social media tab. You guys can find links to our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook. It's uh, it's pretty cool, if you ask me. And also, uh, check out my personal TikTok. That's where I post a lot of stuff on the show. I don't think it's necessary to have two TikToks. But uh, make sure you follow Nick's Nerd News on the big three. And then uh, just the Nick DeFalco on TikTok. You guys can follow my personal Instagram if you prefer as well. Uh, that's uh, not as nerdy, though, as uh, the Nick's Nerd News accounts. I, I will say that. That's more golfing pictures than anything as of late. But, but, uh, it's, it's a good first day of summer. It was the longest day of the year as well in terms of sunlight hours. It only became dark maybe an hour ago here. Uh, You know, I'm higher up, so I get to see the sun a little bit longer. But I don't want to waste any more time talking about nothing. Why don't we get right into the video game news, shall we? So, what's going on in the world of game development, video games, and the like? Huh? A lot, actually. So... Sony, of course, has PS Plus, which is similar to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, A little different, though. They don't put their games on at launch. And it looks like they don't plan to in the near future. So, uh, speaking with GamesIndustry.biz, Vice President of Global Head of Subscriptions Nick McGuire over at Sony said that, uh, quote, We're happy with our strategy. Putting games in a bit later in the life cycle has meant that we can reach more customers 12, 18, 24 months after they have released. We're seeing customers still get excited about those games and jumping in. For us, that's working. Occasionally, there will be an opportunity to invest in a day-and-date like strategy, and we'll jump on those when they come in. But for us, letting those first-party games go out to the platform outside the service first, 
that's working and that will continue to be our strategy moving forward, unquote. I get it. The logic, not as much, but uh, I get it, right? Then you're like, oh, hey, you didn't get that game at launch? Well, now it's coming. Or maybe you've been waiting to get the console. Now it's coming. Or maybe you've been waiting to sign up. Now it's coming. I, I get that draw. I get both sides. I really do. Um, personally, I don't necessarily play a lot of day and date launch on, on Game Pass just because my gaming has decreased in recent years. Uh, also, I don't, I probably should be using Game Pass more just for, you know, financial reasons. But, but I, I, like I said, I see both sides of the strategy. You want to drum up hype later, get more people to play the game after the fact. Or maybe when DLC launches, you want to get them in so then they can get the DLC. Uh, on the flip side, like, hey, you don't technically have to buy all these games. You sign up for Game Pass and you get them day and date. You don't need to go out and spend all this money on the game. So I, I see both sides of the, of the, the coin. Uh, but Sony's going to stick to their strategy. Microsoft's going to stick to theirs. So don't expect Sony to waver anytime soon. Uh, Dead Space, it was announced, will be getting a scripted podcast uh, starting in 2024, uh, the next franchise to make the leap. Uh, Halo's done it. I think some other nerd properties have, not necessarily a lot of video games, but it, it could turn into something where you draw in more people, right? Not, not everyone's for video games, but maybe you get people to listen to a podcast and that brings them to the game. Who knows? Uh, the Last of Us will be the newest property to join Hol Universal Studios Hollywood Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights. So uh, if you guys don't know, a lot of theme parks do Halloween events. and uh, Or is it Hollywood Horror Nights? Any Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know. One of those terms. I don't go. Uh, but Universal has a lot of film and TV properties there to, to scare you, right? To add a new flavor to the... Uh, scariness and the jump scares, they will be adding elements of The Last of Us television show when that begins in early October or late September, one of the two. Uh, we've also learned CD Projekt Red will be adding Geralt's sword from The Witcher to Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty if you purchase the game on GOG, which is CD Projekt Red's, like, alternative to Steam. It's a it's an online marketplace for games, essentially. Good old games, GOG. Uh, but if you buy the Phantom Liberty DLC there, you will get access to the Geralt's sword and several other weapons from the Witcher series. Uh, ViewSonic has announced, uh, yes, ViewSonic, the monitor maker and maker of, of uh, uh, projectors, has announced a new designed for Xbox projector for $1,600. It is the X2 4K, so can put up into 4K and uh, higher refresh rates. However, the one downside is the HDMI ports are not 2.1. They're only 2.0, so you might not necessarily be able to get some of those higher refresh rates out of, out of your Xbox, per se, if you hook it up. Uh, but that option is there. Uh, that will launch later this year, like I said, for $1,600. It is officially the first designed for Xbox projector on the market. Um, popular Twitch streamer XQC has signed a $100 million deal with Twitch competitor Kick, which, uh, so this is Felix Lengiel. It is a multi-year deal, and uh, this is via the New York Times. It's a two-year contract for about $70 million. Incentives can push it to about $100 million. Uh, he currently has 11.8 million followers on Twitch. I guess he gets about 10,000 viewers a stream as all via IGN. But uh, he said, quote, I'm extremely excited to take this opportunity and maximize it to new creative and fresh ideas over the coming years, unquote. So... Uh, he can still stream on Twitch. He does, it's, he's not actually exclusive to Kick either, which is nuts that they uh, will pay him that much. But Kick is based out of Australia, and um, 
a lot of creators though have been having issues with Twitch in general and revenue sharing and things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if more people switch over to Kick in the near future. Hideo Kojima was being asked about the upcoming Death Stranding movie and if he had any involvement. Uh, and he did follow up and say that he is actively involved in the production of the film and is probably having a heavy, heavy, heavy influence over it. It's rare for creators, game creators, to be involved in the film adaptations of their work. Kojima's a little different. The man is very cinematic himself. He's very uh, obsessed with movies. That's why a lot of his games tend to be more cinematic. Uh, they have hours-long cutscenes, so it's it's uh, very, very interesting to see what will come out of that. And switching to another video game property being adapted to the big screen, uh, Chad Stileski, the famous director of the John Wick films, he was Keanu Reeves' stuntman on the Matrix films, uh, is directing, uh, he is directing the Ghosts of Tsushima movie, and uh, he was talking about the future. He said, quote, uh, speaking of comicbookmovie.com, he said, quote, it's just how do I pack that much information into a feature that can go on to other features or a TV project or a platform for that? The trick is not, do we have a great material? We know we have great material. It's how to make it a pal palpable in any platform, you know? How do we make a great two, two and a half hour movie out of this? How do we make it a satisfying and leave it open to expand further from there. That's the real challenge. How to take so much great and get it down to a watchable level, unquote. So it looks like he obviously wants to turn it into a franchise. I'm sure Sony will be happy with that too, right? You, you always want to keep getting those... Um, you want to get those keep coming in, right? You want to get viewers in. You want to get them connected to it, attached to it. Ghost of Tsushima... It's a samurai movie, right? A game. Easily translatable to film. Easily able to, to build and franchise off that. Especially if a second game comes. So it obviously makes sense to do that. Which, again, not knocking them for. Uh, Xbox has announced, in partnership with IGN, a new ID at Xbox showcase for July 11th. So they will be showcasing indie games on the Xbox platform in just a few weeks, if you guys want to check that out. Uh, EA has announced that Immortals of Avavum has been delayed about a month so they can polish it up on PC. That is the new magic FPS that they're releasing. Uh, Yves Guimau, head of Ubisoft, has uh, expressed regrets in terms of releasing the second uh, Mario vs. Rabbids game of Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope the second game in that franchise and uh, wished they had waited for the second console he's speaking with gamesindustry.biz he said quote we already had an we had already released a Mario Rabbids game on Switch so by doing another one we had two similar experiences on one machine on Nintendo games on Nintendo games like this never die there are 25 Mario games on Switch Nintendo has advised that it's better to do one iteration on each machine. We were a bit too early. We should have waited for the next console. Because you could play a great game, and we think it will last for 10 years, because we'll update it for the new machine that will come in the future. Uh, unquote. So, uh, you know, Eves is a smart man. Who knows when that next, you know, Nintendo console is going to come out. So it's almost like, well, if you want to make this game, get it done, right? You don't wait too long, and you don't want to sit on it either. But I, I, I can see where Ubisoft probably wanted, like, hey, the first one did really well. Let's get this next one out, make some good money on it. But maybe they'll make a third one. Who knows? In another blow to Halo Infinite, 343 has announced that they will stop releasing, releasing seasonal cutscenes, which I was particularly liking the story coming out for uh, the multiplayer, it continued some of the side stories a bit in the lore, but <laughs> just uh, 343 was gutted a few months back, we talked about this, I don't know what's going on with the Halo developer, I don't know what Microsoft is doing with them, obviously Microsoft doesn't want to ditch Halo, it's their 
literally their premier franchise, right? But there's been just so much turmoil at 343 since they took over. And I, I had somewhat some faith in them, right? I haven't enjoyed every game they've put out. I've liked a lot of them. I very much enjoyed Halo Infinite. I very much enjoyed Halo 5. Halo 4 was okay to me. I, I didn't get in... Multiplayer on Halo 5, though, I played more than anything. Uh, I've call, kind of fallen off a bit with, with Infinite, but like I said, that goes back to me just not gaming in general as much. Um, but it, it sucks that we already heard that they scrapped DLC for the story, which kind of ended on a cliffhanger. So despite their 10-year plan for Infinite, I, they're probably just going to make another game at some point. They're, they're, they already ditched their new engine to go to Unreal 5. And it just... Uh, so Brian Gerard, the community manager, uh, community director, excuse me, said uh, on, in a tweet, said, quote, As we refined our top priorities and shifted resources internally this year, we've had to make the decision to forego seasonal narrative cutscenes to make room for the team to continue focusing on highly requested features, content improvements for Halo Infinite. PSA, we uh, for Infinite. These trade-offs are never easy to make, and we truly appreciate your support as the team works to make Halo Infinite the best experience possible. While the job is far from over, Season 4 marks another big step forward, and we remain committed to this journey with the Halo community. Unquote. So, obviously, gameplay is important, right? I mean... Here we are two years later and only getting season four when seasons should have been a lot more often. They got extended seasons one, two, and three. And, you know, we're only getting infection on season four now when it should have been launched with the game, considering that is a Halo staple. So just there, there's been a lot of rough patches with Infinite. And I don't know if they were engine issues or... Just a lot, and it's it's frustrating because it is a good game, but just every thing that can go wrong has gone wrong. EA has announced a major shakeup in terms of how it operates. They are essentially splitting EA Sports and EA Games, which, I mean, I always thought they were kind of separate to begin with, but uh, CEO Andrew Wilson has uh, released a statement saying, quote, we're building the future of interactive entertainment on a foundation of legendary franchises and innovative new experiences, which represents massive opportunities for growth, unquote. So they will be split into EA Sports and EA Entertainment. Uh, EA Games is becoming EA, or EA Entertainment. Uh, Laura Miele who was the chief operating officer, will now be president of entertainment, technology, and central development at EA Entertainment. Uh, she'll work closely with Vince Zampella, who used to head up Infinity Ward. Now he heads up, um, he was head of Respawn. I think he got promoted a few years ago. And uh, Cam Weber, who was the head of EA Sports, will stay as head of EA Sports. Uh, they will be given expanded control over their respective labels, though. Uh, you know, it looks like um, Andrew Wilson will remain CEO, but uh, Chief Experiences Officer Chris Bruzo is retiring, Chief Financial Officer Chris Sue is leaving the company, and David Tinson and Stuart Canfield will take over those responsibilities. So... This is a major reorganization for EA. This is very, very interesting. Um, but we'll see what happens with EA moving forward. That's for sure. Uh, Activision insists they are invested in Crash Bandicoot and its future. Uh, developer Toys for Bob, which took over the franchise uh, a few years ago, has said that uh, they have been reassured by um, by Activision. Speaking with Video Game Central, uh, the creative director, Dan Neal, said that, quote, obviously there's a passion and a core ethos of games that Toys for Bob have demonstrated that they're excellent at producing over the decades. But it's not only about what we're passionate about. It's that Activision is supportive and they continue to want to invest in new titles for this franchise. 
They also have a belief that we can do exciting new things. I think we've shown that we're a really flexible studio. The fact that from the history of what Toys for Bobs do, we've got folks internally who can turn their hands to Call of Duty and create excellent Call of Duty content. We've drawn a lot of knowledge and learning from working with the Call of Duty team that we've brought back into our own execution on Crash Team Rumble. Unquote. So obviously Activision has a lot of money, right? There's a lot of other shitty things going on at Activision. But obviously they, they know Crash Bandicoot is a premier franchise again. Uh, well, I, I don't know about premiere. Maybe maybe that's putting it too high. Uh, it, it, it's definitely a revived franchise that, that's back in the, the gamer zeitgeist, if you will. Obviously, it, it had been dormant for a long time, and then the remake of the first three games, and then the fourth game came out. So there, there's definitely a, a draw again, right? Crash Team Racing came out. Now there's Crash Team Rumble. There's literally Crash Bandicoot skins in Call of Duty right now. So it, it's definitely back on the minds of gamers. W will it be a premier franchise again? Who knows? Uh, it, it, it's funny that it's not at PlayStation anymore. But, uh, and of course, obviously, obviously things can be very different if, if the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft goes through, but, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, it, but it, 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 it will be interesting to see if, if it... Uh, uh, does continue, uh, or if, if maybe Activision does continue investing in, in Crash Bandicoot. We'll see. Who knows? Um, Dota 2 will no longer have battle passes. So 10th anniversary this year, which is nuts, Valve has announced that the it's going to get rid of battle passes in Dota 2. In a blog post, they said, quote, most Dota players never buy a battle pass and never get any rewards from it. Every Dota player has gotten to explore the new map, play with the new items, and accidentally die to a Tormentor. Every Dota player benefits from UI improvements and new client features. Community response to New Frontiers has helped us build confidence that working less on cosmetic content for the Battle Pass and more on a variety of exciting updates is the right long-term path for Dota as both, both a game and a community, unquote. Well, at least one studio is getting rid of the Battle Pass. I applaud Steam for that, or Valve, however you want to lay that down. Um, before we get to the Direct and some of the Xbox Activision news, uh, it has been announced that Microsoft and Xbox will be increasing the price of the Series X console in select markets and Game Pass worldwide. Uh, this is via The Verge. So, uh, Kari Perez, head of communications at Xbox, said that... Uh, Prices will increase on the Xbox Series X uh, beginning August 1st. So it is not the U.S. The cost of the Xbox Series X will now be $479.99 British pounds sterling in the U.K., $549.99 euros across the most European markets, $649.99 Canadian dollars, which actually equates to $500 U.S., so give or take. And... Uh, and $799.99 Australian dollars, which is insane. So that's that's going to start August 1st. And then Game Pass will increase pricing, pricing in all countries beginning July 6th, so next month. It's a $2 increase. So Game Pass Ultimate will go up to $16.99 from $14.99. Uh, regular Game Pass will go up to $10.99 a month. That's a dollar increase. And PC Game Pass, though, will remain at $9.99. So that will not increase in price. So, I mean, this was coming. Um, Phil Spencer made similar comments last year that obviously pricing could not be sustainable, right? I mean, inflation is up across the globe, not necessarily here in the U.S., hence why pricing is not going up here. Uh, and it, it, it's also similar to PlayStation. PlayStation 5 went up in price around the globe late last year. So it, it's it's not out of the realm of, of uh, meeting the demands of, of the business and, of course, being competitive. I, I don't understand how raising the prices makes you more competitive, but I guess you don't necessarily want to be seen as an inferior product either. Uh, but, but it will be remain to be seen if that will affect sales moving forward. It hasn't affected PlayStation sales, so we'll see what happens with Xbox sales and how Game Pass does with these price changes. Um, 
before we talk about the FTC stuff with Microsoft, I do want to talk about the Nintendo Direct. It was about 45 minutes, give or take, uh, early this morning, surprisingly. A lot of things were announced. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers RPG is getting a remake. The famous game from, I think it was on the NES, Super NES. I don't even think it was on the N64. Uh, obviously, digital copies of it aren't really available, uh, but this is a full-on remake, and that launches uh, uh, November 17th. Alongside that, a new Mario Brothers game was announced. It is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It is a new 2D platformer. It actually includes a new power-up for Mario where he can turn into an elephant. That releases on October 20th. So many games coming out in October. This is not right. Um, a remake of Luigi's Mansion 2 is coming. A Princess Peach standalone game is also coming. And new DLC characters are coming to Mario Kart 8. So that's, that's on the Mario front. Uh, oh, and then WarioWare Move? What was it? Um, where did I write? Yeah, uh, WarioWare Move It. That's coming in November. Uh, some other games. Detective Pikachu 2 or Detective Pikachu Returns was announced. Releasing October 6th. Yes, again, another October. We got a new trailer and information in regards to the two Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLCs, uh, the Teal Mask and um, Isle, I don't remember the second one, but those will be releasing in fall and winter respectively. We learned about uh, some about news about the new Pokemon and the new uh, legendaries. Um, the... There was a whole lot of information on Pinkman, Pikmin 4, which is releasing next month, and announcement of Pikmin 1 and 2 in HD coming later this year. Uh, I think, or today. Those are actually available today. Uh, a Tears of the Kingdom version of Link and Ganondorf are coming to the Amiibo. Uh, are coming to the Amiibo. Are getting Amiibos. I don't know why I said coming to the Amiibo. That makes no sense at all. Um, Vampire Survivors is coming to Switch. Middle Gear Solid Collection Volume 1 is also releasing for Switch this October. Uh, I think that is coming. We already know it's coming to PlayStation. I think it's coming to Xbox as well. Dragon Quest Monsters uh, is being released December 1st. The Dark uh, Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince. From my from what it was described as, it's like Dragon or it's a uh, Dragon Quest and Pokemon merged together. Sonic Superstars, the new 2D platformer for Sonic, got a new trailer. It was announced the Arkham Trilogy is finally coming to Switch. Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Star Ocean, the second story R, is coming to Switch. And a new trailer for Hot Wheels Unleashed was announced. That game is coming later this year. Several other indie games were announced too, but obviously the biggest news uh, was in regards to Mario, Pikmin 4, and some of that Pokemon news. Uh, that was it for the Nintendo Direct. I do want to talk about some of the news that happened in regards to the FTC uh, injunction against Microsoft and some of the wild emails that have been released and other evidence. So, as of right now, the FTC decided to sue Microsoft and block the merger back in last December. Last week, a federal court in California issued a temporary restraining order uh, in, in regards to a request made by the FTC. So it, it essentially blocks the deal for now. And a trial will, set, will start uh, next week to essentially go over what's going on and why it won't hurt the... Uh, it actually starts tomorrow, excuse me. And it, it's, it's in regards to competition, right? That's what the FTC is looking at. Is this... A lateral move? Is this a vertical move or buy purchase? So the trial will run each day starting tomorrow from 8.30 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and it will be thurs tomorrow, Thursday, June 22nd, Friday, June 23rd. It will resume Tuesday, June 27th. Wednesday will have an afternoon only and Thursday next week if necessary. Uh, it will take place at the United States District Court in Northern District of California. So, ooh, there will be a Zoom audio feed for the public to listen in. From my understanding, the major players will be there. 
Uh, Matt Booty, head of Microsoft Studios. Sarah Bond, vice president. Uh, Pete Hines, senior vice president of Bethesda. As well as Bobby Kotick, Satya Nadella, and Phil Spencer. Uh, it is, I've heard that Jim Ryan of Sony will be there via Zoom, whereas all of the major players from Microsoft will be there in person, which is interesting. Um, the FTC today announced that one of the reasons they want to block it is Starfield and Redfall being exclusive are prime evidence as to Microsoft uh, not going to hold up their end of the bargain on Call of Duty despite constantly saying otherwise. So this is like the CMA and their cloud gaming. So it, it's, and then there's an email that came out that apparently is from 2019. This is way before Microsoft had any intention of buying Microsoft, uh, buying Activision. But I guess there was internal emails or chats about their goal would be let's get Activision to cause the, the end of PlayStation or uh, along those lines. But it's like, really, you're going to use... A, com a casual conversation from 2019 when there was no nothing in the works to as evidence four years later I'm sorry but obviously that's that's competition speak right they don't want PlayStation to keep going it's their biggest competitor like when there was no inkling of the deal back then how can you use that as as <sighs> is it probable cause I don't know I'm not a lawyer but like in reality, I, I, I don't know, man. That I'm actually struggling to think about it now. It's like, d does that really make sense? Or is that just like competition speak? Like, oh, fuck them, right? Like, fuck. Like, I'm sure Jim Ryan said some shit like that buying Bungie. Like, uh, I don't know. It's complicated. Does the FTC, though, have a real case to stand on? I don't know when most of the world has approved the deal. With the exception of the UK. So it will be very, very interesting to see. Using Starfield and Redfall as prime examples, I, I, I don't see it. I I understand Microsoft's standpoint on it, and I understand Sony's standpoint. Obviously, Microsoft's like, no, those are not their new IP A, so they don't have a large community. So how can you justify, you know, excluding people when obviously, yes, they're gonna lose sales by not being multi-platform, but at the same time, there's no large, like, oh, uh, this is the third Starfield game. It should be multi-platform. I can see the argument for, for Elder Scrolls, right? I can 100% see that. So if Microsoft does make Elder Scrolls 6 exclusive, I'd actually be a little thrown off by that. But, or like the next Fallout or something like that. That I can understand. Whereas Call of Duty, which has a, been a healthy, healthy game game uh gamer base player base on both platforms it's literally one of the number one selling games every single year you don't make a game like that exclusive you lose out on billions of dollars and microsoft knows that they literally signed 10 year deals with everyone they offered it to sony and sony said no like at this point it, it's turning into a petty little bullshit fight and it, it's getting annoying on all, I almost don't care if it goes through at this point because it's turning into such a stupid mess. And then even if it doesn't go through, Microsoft has to pay like a $3 billion penalty, which happens in every kind of deal like this. But the fact that it's only the FTC and the UK should just show you that something funky is going on. I, look, I, I don't always support major mergers, but realistically... Yes, I understand the, the consolidation fears, but if you're looking at it from a competition standpoint, which is technically what the FC, FTC is supposed to do, this is not monopolizing in the truest sense of the word. You might not argue it on moral grounds. You might not like it on, on you know, pricing, on uh, other things. Again, that's not the argument here. We, we could talk about that till the cows come home and I you would have valid arguments in Every one of those situations except competition. Because at the end of the day, EA still exists. Sony's not going anywhere. Nintendo's not going anywhere. Ubisoft is a thing, right? The Embracer Group is a thing. Tencent owns a, a large portion of the gaming industry. Competition is not going away if Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard. 
And that is at the heart of what the FTC is arguing. It, that just that doesn't that that is a null argument because in reality, you cannot monop you could theoretically monopolize the gaming market, right? That's if like Sony and Microsoft merged and Nintendo one day, right? And there's only one. But realistically, there are like four other powerhouses that are technically just as big as Microsoft in gaming terms. I understand making Microsoft bigger, things like that. I get that argument, right? But at the end of the day, when it comes to competition in the gaming industry, this does not hurt it. Because there will still be new studios popping up every day. EA is huge still. Sony is still huge. This technically, based on the numbers that have been presented, would still only put Microsoft in maybe third or second position, still behind Sony. I, if it made them number one by a long shot, I'd 100% agree. On competition alone, it doesn't make sense to allow it. But in reality, the fact that there'll still be two or three, it's not hurting competition. If anything, it makes Sony have to pull out their big guns and be a little more bullish, right? Or uh, bear. I, I don't know. But Sony keeps arguing Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty. Then, then I, I don't know, make more shooters. Stop making just single-player games. You have enough studios. You have enough money. You have the franchises to do it, right? But at the end of the day, Microsoft has said, and it, it literally is the, the, the one shred of truth I actually believe is it would be financially irresponsible for them to make Call of Duty exclusive. 100% true. 100% true in that. No doubt about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fucked up situation. It's turning into a bigger deal than it ever really should have. The FTC said they're going to sue Amazon today. The FTC right now is a, is a joke. It is a joke of an organization. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's not waste any more stupid time on that. Let's uh, let's head on over to the TV world, shall we? All right, so we did learn that uh, Star Wars Andor did have an F-bomb. Uh, I think it was Vanity Fair put like, out a video and like everyone was saying the F-fuck. Fuck the Empire. So, yes, when Marva was giving her speech at the end of the finale of the first season, they did edit over... It does say fight the Empire, but she did really say fuck the Empire. No shocker. I think it would have been better. Obviously, couldn't have done that because you lose the family aspect of Star Wars. But uh, I will always just say that when I watch it now. Um, and then, was it? We're talking about Disney Plus here, right? Uh, the young Leia actress who played uh, Leia on Obi-Wan wants her own uh, young Leia spinoff show. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but she was good. She was a good Leia. I will say that. Uh, and then on the flip side, so that's Star Wars half of Disney+. Plus. On the Marvel side, we did get Secret Invasion started today. It, it used AI art for its opening credits. I don't like AI art. It's really shitty, and I get what they were trying to convey, right? Because it's like a spy show, it's espionage. But it, if this is the uh, the represents the future of TV, I, I don't want it. I'm gonna go stand on the picket line with the Writers Guild strike anti AI. That was really stupid stuff, if you ask me. The episode was really cool. Um, it was it like it didn't have really high stakes in the beginning. Didn't, it wasn't inter interesting, and then towards the end it really picked up. That's when it really drew me in. It looks like, so a major character dies. I'll just say that. A lot of major people might be scrolls. Obviously they've been teasing that, and just like the, the comic series Secret Invasion. But they don't pull any punches when it comes to offing characters. So I can't wait to see where they go with this show. Um, moving over to some of the other platforms ryan reynolds has announced a new show bedtime stories with ryan where he ryan reynolds will read you bedtime stories 
That is coming to Fubo TV, which is, I think is free. On Max, Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal will be getting a third season. Uh, Tartakovsky, of course, is famous for the Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Lab and um, uh, uh, Samurai Jack. And now he was doing Primal, which is a show about like a Kate Neanderthal with like dinosaurs. That's getting a third season. Uh, and then over on Apple TV Plus, The Metropolis Show, based on the old movie, has been canceled due to the writer strike uh, and creative differences. Uh, Yellowstone 1923 Season 2 on indefinite hold, again, due to the Writers Guild of America strike. No surprise there. It's affecting a lot of shows. And then Red Dwarf has announced to be coming back to the BBC. And it's, it hasn't been on TV in over 15 years. And all episodes will now be available to be streamed on the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer. So every show, every episode of the show is on BBC's iPlayer. And then including the revived four seasons and feature-length episode. So if you're a big fan of Red Dwarf or never watched it, it's now available. And uh, it's like a comedy set in space. So... That's uh, all 12 series. That was on for 12 series? Holy shit. 12 series is seasons in the in UK speak, BBC speak. Uh, and then Solar Opposites, the former Justin Roiland show on Hulu, has uh, announced a new voice member to take over for Roiland's character Corvo in a great funny little video. Uh, Corvo gets shot in the neck and uh, they spray like a, or shoot a like voice gun at him, and it gives him a new voice. It's being, he's being taken over by Dan Stevens, a British actor, uh, most famously portrayed the Beast in Disney's Beauty and the Beast live-action remake. And uh, he's like, this is how I sound now. And it, I love how, like, of any show, that show could do it that way, where they could just pull it off. He's like, even in flashbacks, this is what I will sound like now, because the gun is has chromatons. It, like, I thought it was hilarious. New season drops next month on Hulu. So uh, there's that. And then Netflix had its to dumb to doom to dum event. I don't know. The stupid sound Netflix makes. Um, some of the big announcements out of that. Linda Hamilton will be joining Stranger Things for season five. Yes, that Linda Hamilton. Uh, Chris Hemsworth announced Extraction 3. I thought he was taking a break from acting. Squid Game Season 2 cast was announced with uh, a lot of returning actors as well as some new cast members. Netflix announced Squid Game The Challenge, which is like their live-action reality show based around Squid Game. That got a teaser and is coming later this year. Uh, you is getting a Season 5. Elite is getting a Season 7. Bridgerton showed off Season 3. Emily in Paris showed off Season 4. A new show, Lift, was announced, as well as Berlin, which is like a high-stakes uh, heist show. Love is Blind is getting a season five. There's a new show called The Archies, which, yes, that's exactly what it is. It is a Archie comic-based show, but this time about the Archies, set in India in the 1960s. So this is like a Bollywood adaptation. Uh, Lupin is getting a part three. We got our first trailer for Benioff and Weiss's follow-up to Game of Thrones, The Three-Body Problem, which will premiere on Netflix in January. We got our first look at live-action Avatar The Last Airbender, as well as a trailer for live-action One Piece, which drops in August on Netflix. It looks really good. It looks really good. Uh, Zack Snyder showed off his Rebel Moon upcoming movie. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger then came out to announce that FUBAR would be getting a season two. So I know that was just a quick, quick fire of, of announcements out of, out of, uh, the Tadum event. There were some other things that I don't really care about, but, uh, I mean, that's really what it is, right? I'm not going to sit here and talk about trailers and what they show because you can go online and watch those. Some trailers I talk about, but when it comes to like Netflix shows, not necessarily. Oh, Speaking of Netflix, so there's a Jamie Foxx movie coming out called They Clone Tyrone with, uh, it will also feature John Boyega. That movie looks fucking great. But uh, before we head on over to movies, 
I do want to talk about Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds returned to Paramount Plus last week, and uh, this is season two, and we got our introduction to some of the new cast members, the flow of the show. Uh, Carol Kane came in as the new chief engineer. I love Carol Kane in everything she does, to be honest. Uh, Spock got to say his line, I would like the ship to go, please, or go now. Um, the Klingons are back, and when I say the Klingons are back, I mean real Klingons, not Discovery Klingons. I mean the Klingons we're used to. It was good to see them hamming it up and uh, be the enemy of the Federation again, but for real, not the Discovery weird Klingons. That was weird, but uh, that that is fun. Stranger Worlds looks to be off to a great start yet again. It was a Pikeless episode, but it worked. Um, it focused on, uh, La'an, it focused on Chapel, on Dr. Mbenga, like, we got to see them have more, like, uh, screen time, and it, it, it's, it's fun to interact with all the cast, and I, like I said, I love Carol Kane, and I cannot wait to see more of her, especially when she starts to interact with Captain Pike, but, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds every Thursday on Paramount Plus, let's head on over to the film world, shall we? To Hollywood. So I know I just ranted about talking about trailers, but the Craven the Hunter trailer finally dropped from Sony. Uh, obviously, Craven the Hunter is a Spider-Man villain. This film will star Aaron Taylor Johnson. That is a violent trailer. That movie is going to be a hard R because there is blood and gore everywhere. And we got a tease for the Rhino showing up. Uh, another famous... And uh, Spider-Man villain. So, if you guys are excited, this actually made me excited for Craven. I was a little wary of it because it's another Spider-Man villain movie, but it looks like it might have potential. Russell Crowe is in it. Uh, I do like Aaron Taylor Johnson. So, if the trailer is anything to go by, it should be at least a good action movie. The final film starring Carrie Fisher uh, was released recently. That is her final film role after her death. Uh, Sony has announced at least two new Marvel movies set for 2024 and 2025. One can assume is the next Tom Holland Spider-Man film, and you could also assume that it could be a potential for Venom 3. No, not Morbius 2. <laughs> uh, the Incredible Hulk finally hits Disney Plus after a years-long absence. Of course, it is a universal film. It is one of the first films in the MCU. Uh, it is now available on Disney Plus. Uh, we've also learned that Andy Muschietti, uh, who directed the It films as well as F The Flash, has agreed to helm the Batman, the Brave, and the Bold for the new DC Universe under James Gunn. David Fincher says he will not alter Seven in any way when the 4K remaster is released later this year. Uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse has been announced will feature many different Gwen Stacy's and we will go to Spider-Punk's uh, reality universe. Uh, meanwhile, Across the Spider-Verse has crossed the $500 million mark. It has now made $100 million more than its predecessor into the Spider-Verse as we wait uh, just under a year for Beyond the Spider-Verse, the final film in the, the franchise. Uh, the Flash and Elemental have won the weekend, despite not really doing that well. Uh, the Flash earned a paltry $55 million, and Elemental took in $29.5 million. The Flash needed to make a lot of money. Obviously, there's a lot of hesitancy regarding Ezra Miller and their uh, legal issues, and people not wanting to necessarily support that, so that could be... Potential, but it should have good word of mouth as its user score on Rotten Tomatoes is still quite high. One of the highest uh, in the DC Extended Universe, as it was formerly known. So uh, high word of mouth should keep its its run decently in the theaters. Uh, like I said, it's it's sitting... Oh, it's dropped a bit. It's at 84% user-wise, but but that, that should allow for a, a high retention rate. Uh, bad reviews, and I don't know about word of mouth for Elemental, might have sunk that film as well. Uh, speaking of The Flash, Sasha Kaye has said that she has met with Warner Brothers about staying on as Supergirl. Uh, no word yet 
on any official business. Uh, and Gal Gadot has said that conversations have also been had in regards to her staying on as Wonder Woman. Uh, we've learned that Jonathan Majors has gotten a trial date for his case, his domestic violence case that uh, he was arrested for about a month ago. That trial is set for August, so we'll know his future in a few weeks. After coming back to Comic-Con last year, Marvel has announced that they will not be in Hall H next month at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, obviously, there's not a whole lot in the works, and I wonder if that has to do with something in solidarity with the writer strike. I, uh, who knows? But Plus, they just delayed a lot of things, so I can see why they might not necessarily be at Comic-Con. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4 will be getting a director's cut that will include 15 more m minutes of film. Can't wait to see what that's like. And then our final bit of movie news before we talk about The Flash. Tom Cruise, uh, we have learned, wanted to film the major stunt in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, this is the stunt where he jumps off a mountain on a motorbike, essentially. He wanted to film that on day one just in case he died doing it. Uh, speaking with Entertainment Tonight, he said, quote, Well, we know either we will continue with the film or we're not. Let's know day one. Let us know day one what is going to happen. Do we all continue or is it a major rewrite? Doing that on day one gave us all the time in the world to understand why he was doing what he was doing, uh, unquote, says director Christopher McQuarrie. If we sat around and tried to figure out these movies the old-fashioned way, you'd never find it simply because it's such a living, breathing thing, quote-unquote. Um, Cruz followed up with, quote, I was training and I was ready. You have to be razor-sharp when you're doing something like that. It was very important as we were prepping the film that it was actually the first thing. I don't want to drop that and go shoot other things and have my mind somewhere else. Everyone was prepped. Let's just get it done, unquote. I, I, I get it, right? Tom's getting older. These stunts are ridiculous. He does them all himself. Um, so he obviously wants to get it out of the way to make sure it's done. He doesn't die and they can keep making the movie. Uh, <laughs> that is ridiculous. Tom, 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 you got to stop, bud. I, I mean, everyone thinks that whatever part two will be called, if it's Dead Reckoning Part 2 or Mission Impossible 8 or whatever, I, th I think everyone knows that it's probably going to be the last one. It makes sense, right? You, that franchise can only go so far. There can only be so many impossible missions, right? But uh, that is it for regular movie news. That is it for regular Nixner news. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. Don't forget to check out the website. Like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, whatever you guys want to do. Um, but I will, uh, now be talking about the flash. So stick around if you guys want to hear that. It will be a spoiler filled review. I am telling you now it is a spoiler filled review. It is spoiler filled review. Okay. Okay. Time to talk about the flash. I enjoyed it very much. It's not perfect in any stretch. It is not uh, amazing, but it is very, very good in my personal opinion. Um, I definitely maybe overhyped myself a bit because there, there were parts that, that were uh, a little off-putting. Um, it's definitely a solid eight and a half. Uh, that, that's definitely where I would put it. Eight and a half for sure. It's, it's fun. It's very fun, actually. And one of the things that I didn't like is it, it reminded me a lot of Green Lantern in terms of, like, too many times when actors were in their suits, their mouths were CGI. I, I don't know why that was a thing. That shouldn't have been a thing at all. Like, just film them talking, unless they had to do ADR, um, additional dialogue recording, to, like, fill in gaps. But then their mouths didn't match. And it was, especially with Barry, it was more with Barry more than anything. Um, Ezra Miller, though, was amazing as Barry Allen. And, and I don't say that lightly because of, again, the situations regarding their behavior. But Ezra Miller was, was exceptional in this film. And 
their work playing two different versions of Barry was was very was very good, surprisingly. Michael Keaton, great as always, and I, I was really happy to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. It's been a long time. Uh, and and of course he's still my favorite Batman, and this movie solidified that, if anything. So he was good. Ben Affleck, still a great Batman, and I love, I love the gadgets that Batfleck uses. The the bike he uses in this film and the different things. It it, it it's it's so fun. It is so fun. I, I it I wish he got more screen time. I, I wish he he hadn't left the franchise. I I very much enjoy Batfleck and and he's definitely still one of my favorite Batman. The things I didn't like was a bit of the story felt a little rushed in places. And, you know, Iris West is introduced in this weird way and then just kind of thrown off to the side. I, I didn't care for that. And obviously, you know, they didn't want to have a, a love interest, right? And, that, and that's fine with me. You don't always have to have that in a superhero movie. But Iris West is an important character in, in the Flash mythos, if you will. So it was um, interesting the way they, they handled her. There was no earboard thon. There was no reverse flash. So that they are leaving that out a little separately. Uh, the director, Andy Machete, has said that obviously he is the one that killed Barry's mom. He is the one that will show up in a sequel if made. So at least we, we understand that. Um, I don't like the CGI in the movie. And I know Andy Machete tried to justify it by saying, you know, this is... Uh, this is how Barry is perceiving the world. This isn't necessarily reality. He's viewing it as like super speed and it, but it had this claymation effect. It was not high quality CGI. I, I, I understand what he's saying, right? And it's, it's, but it looks, it just looks not good. Um, it, it's very uncanny valley, like to the extreme, especially with some of the cameos at the end. I'm, I'm not mad at the cameos. I'm mad at how they were handled, and I, I can see the argument that people were making in regards to them. So, it's it's different, right? But there, there were, like I said, I, there were a lot of things I liked, though. The story overall was good, and how the different berries interact with each other, and how one of the berries essentially turns into this creature of, of hate and trying to fix the past. Uh, the story of Barry fucking up the timeline, as usual, always is a pleasure to see, especially even though it's been beaten to death on the show. Uh, the the explanation of the multiverse in DC was a welcome difference to how it's explained in Marvel and other things. Um, and Batman being the one to explain it was great because Batman is somewhat always tied into that, and it was Keaton's Batman. It, it's funny that you know it's a parallel universe because, and I loved this, the mention that in the new reality that Barry creates, Eric Stoltz is Marty McFly in the Back to the Future franchise. And that is a deep cut. Because if, if you don't know the history of Back to the Future, I know this is a little different, but it's not the Flash. But Eric Stoltz like, had completed half of the filming on the, back, the first Back to the Future film when they realized he needed to go. Just, no, this didn't work. And then that's when they brought in uh, uh, Michael J. Fox, who had previously was able, unable to do it because of his commitments to television. But they were able to get him in later because Eric Stoltz just sucked playing Marty McFly. And it's funny that the, Barry then realized he's in an alternate universe because of that. Um, the ending is great. It, it, it is a great payoff to the story they tell. And it, there's a fitting end for, for Keaton's Batman. I, I wish it wasn't the end because, again, he is my favorite Batman. But it was an ending I'm okay with. Sasha Kaye as Supergirl is actually great. Uh, there's a, a good explanation for why Superman's not in that reality. Uh, but if Sasha Kaye is brought back as Supergirl, I, I would actually very much welcome that. She was a great presence to take on a role... Uh, obviously playing a, a character, you don't get a lot of buildup for her, right? But there there was this, this the emotion that she portrayed that actually was, was deserved. 
it was deserved and she pulled it off well. So I, I, I applaud her in that role. Um, like I said, Ezra Miller, way better than I expected. Keaton was perfect as Batman as always. There's a fun scene when the berries find him that I very much enjoy how he like isn't Batman anymore, but he fights the berries because they're these strangers in his house. And it was very, I saw new rock stars compared it to Big Lebowski. And I was like, now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, that works. That works very well. Um, the ending, of course, is very similar to Endgame, going back in time to fix things, but it's Barry going back and fucking things up as usual, which works. Um, again, the CGI I didn't like, some of the pacing issues I didn't care for, the Iris West stuff. It, it, it's it's trivial, I know, but that that's that was my biggest issue. But overall, it was a fun movie. The cameos, like I said, were there were a lot. Uh, the, they brought George Reeves, they used CGI, this is, this is my other issue, all the cameos were CGI except for one, and, uh, one of them, a lot of people are confusing for, for Teddy Sears, who played, uh, Zoom on, um, the Flash TV show as playing a version of, of, um, oh god, who was the first Flash, not Barry Allen, but, uh, I can't think of his uh, his name right now. Anyway, it's not Teddy Sears. It's a, literally an amalgamation, an AI creation, a deep fake, and it looks like him, but it's not. Uh, they brought back George Reeves, who's been dead for like 50 fucking years, in CG as Superman in black and white. I didn't care for that. They brought Christopher Reeve back, and instead of just using like old stock footage from the Superman films, they, again, recreated him with CGI, and it's... Very uncanny valley, but they put him with Helen Slater, Supergirl. That was fun to see. Um, there was an Adam West Batman, Blink and You Miss It. Again, CGI, not great. There was uh, there were other cameos that Andy Muschietti wanted to put in, but he but he had to pull them out, which I think it, it's very strange that they didn't put in, you know, Grant Gustin's Flash. It 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 should have been there. Even if it was just stock footage, it should have been there. They should have found a way to put it in. The absence of... Um, anyway, there, there's a cameo of uh, Nick Cage finally getting to play Superman. And he actually did film that, even though they de-age him. It is him fighting the giant spider from the Kevin Smith film. Um, that was epic to see. There is a uh, after credit scene featuring Jason Momoa as Aquaman. There is a cameo from Wonder Woman early in the film, so Gal Gadot is in the film for a few minutes using the Lasso of Truth on, uh, ends up being used on Batman and The Flash in a very funny, funny way. And uh, Tamara Morrison reprises his role as, as uh, Arthur Curry's father, the lighthouse keeper, um, you know, the father of Aquaman in the film as well. And then... The final cameo, this is the ending that apparently has been filmed three different times, features George Clooney's Bruce Wayne, proving that Barry didn't really fix things at the end. He fucked it up yet again and is in a different universe. So he did not fix things. So if Ezra Miller returns as the Flash in the DCU, we won't know yet. But there were, like I said, the, the cameos were just strange. They were fun, but strange. Um, the CGI aspect of it was just, it was not not good um i didn't like that at all but there were other fun parts like i said the movie is fun though and uh the one other thing that was jarring is when he's in the tech the chrono ball is what barry calls it it's just like arena thing that creates out of the speed force when he's going back in time we get scenes from justice league so technically henry cavill is technically in the film in cgi uh, noticeable absence of, uh, uh, Ray Fisher's cyborg, like a noticeable absence. And it, it sucks that because of their petty fight with him, Warner Brothers, he didn't get to appear in the Flash because the Flash was really originally written as him with like a buddy comedy. That's kind of hinted at in the crossover that Ezra Miller did as Barry Allen with, Grant Gustin's Barry Allen in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on The Flash a few years ago in the Arrowverse. So, 
it's it's very jarring to not to not see that. But overall, like I said, I had fun with the movie. It was fun to watch, and the reintroduction of Zod and stuff was cool to see. But there was YouTube stars or Vine stars like Rudy Mancuso. I'm pretty sure was in the Flash. That was a little that took me out of the film. But it's solid 8.5 still because it was fun. It was a fitting end, at least to me, if this is that's the end of the Snyderverse, essentially, the DCEU. It was a fitting end. And it, it, it it's funny to see that Barry is stuck in a different universe again. But the fact that they got George Looney to George Looney, George Clooney to come back despite him saying he wouldn't was was fun to see. They even were able to sneak an F bomb in at the end. But I was just happy more than anything to see Michael Keaton back as as Batman. And he did a very great job of it. And kind of just this sullen man, like retired, right? Made made it safe in Gotham City again. But I um if they get a sequel, I'll be happy. If they don't, I understand. But uh, I would definitely go see The Flash. I, I understand if you guys are hesitant because of Ezra Miller. Totally understand. But it is worth watching for sure. Uh, like I said, it just sucks that um, some things just didn't necessarily work. But uh, solid 8.5 from The Flash. Again, that is it for me We're for Nixner News this week. Happy Summer Solstice. Happy Summer Pride. Or... Happy Pride Month. Happy start of summer. This was episode 267. I'll catch you guys on the flip side.